my name is Grace Butler. Hi, I'm Katie Duggan. And this is the Are You Well podcast. So this week I had the privilege of speaking to Jamie Walsh from Little Bows and Tiny Toes. So Jamie and I had a great conversation about mental health, um, depression, suicide, self-harm, loss, uh, motherhood, mindset, social media and all sorts of other bits and pieces. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. A huge thank you to Jamie for taking the time to come on the podcast. And I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So tell me about yourself. Um, Obviously, you are very committed to putting out the good vibes on Instagram. Yeah. And I think anybody, anybody who is committed to putting out the good vibes always has a story for a reason why. So how do you get into that? I have loads of reasons why. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, get into them though. So basically my kind of story is I, when I was, I was bullied as a kid, right? Now, like not to the, like not to the extent that you'd have like trolls online, not like that hurtful, mm-hmm. but like when, say when I was growing up, I was a real tomboy. Right, mm-hmm. I used to wear football jerseys, GAA jerseys, and I used to get a lot of uh, comments on my appearance. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I used to get mocked for that as well. So that was, you know, okay, that is what it is, right? But then when I was about fifteen, I started to feel I didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I just woke up one morning and things just didn't feel right, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what it was. Thought I was going crazy. Um, I just I didn't want to exist anymore. That was basically it. And not even in the sense that, like, I wasn't suicidal, but I just mm. didn't want to be here anymore, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. And for about five years from, yeah, it was, I was just about turned 21. I never told a soul how I was mm. feeling. Like, I used to cry myself to sleep. I used to even try, I remember one day I tried to break my leg just so I could feel like some sort of, feel oh, something. Man. Mm-hmm. and um I remember then when I was I think yeah I was I was turning 21 so I think it was the start I was still 20 I'd say it was my, my birthday was in May so it was January that year and I just woke up one morning I was looking myself in the mirror and I was just I started bawling crying I was like who am I who have I been the last five years like yeah so like I remember then I was like I need to talk to someone so like my dad would have been my like I, my rock like I would have confided in him about anything so I just went off to the house to him because I was living at home at this time. And yeah. I went off to the house to my dad and I sat down in front of him. I can still picture it now. I sat down in front of him and I just burst out crying. And he was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I couldn't even get it out. What was wrong? Yeah. And he actually, he thought I was pregnant. And he was like, <laughs> but he was like, it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, I think I'm depressed. Like, and he actually broke down crying. Mm. And like years after that, he said to me that he actually wished at that time that I was telling him I was pregnant. Yeah, because he knew he knew then he could do something. He could be there for him. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he could he could yeah. fix the problem. Or there's things there's there's things he can do. He can like if you're pregnant, yeah. he can go out and he can buy you a buggy, or he can buy exactly, you, or he can take the child for an hour, or things like that. But I suppose yeah. with depression, then it's like there's 
nobody nobody really knows what to do with that and there's no cut and dry way to deal with it either because exactly. every single person's experience is so different so I suppose the helplessness for your dad would have been would have been horrible at that point yeah exactly like and then he was saying right look you need to go to the doctor and then I was like oh I don't want to go to the doctor I want to. so anyway he brought me to the doctor and I remember I just sat in front of the doctor and I just sobbed I just sobbed yeah. and sobbed and he was kind of like you know it's okay get it out and it out so he prescribed me antidepressants at the time and yeah. probably like a lot of people I was very reluctant to take them because yeah. when like, back then when you think of mental health you think of antidepressants you think of someone who's like a zombie going around or who's not with mm-hmm. it and yeah. I I was like it took me a while to actually take them but then when I started taking them I started getting sick because they didn't agree with me so I was vomiting mm-hmm. so that didn't help but then I found a medication at the time then that helped me mm-hmm. and I was okay. I was on and off them for probably, what was it, 21? Probably about three years, I'd say, I was on and off them. But then, I'm trying to think now where this is going to go. Um, so, yeah, that was my 21st. And then I was fine, kind of back on track. And then I just, I don't know what it was. I don't know, was it a build-up of everything? But I just spiraled out of control completely. Yeah. Like, didn't care about anybody, didn't care about myself. I was drinking excessively, smoking, hanging out with the wrong people. Like, I just did not care. Like, And, again, it was only for my dad. He sat me down one day. It was actually in the mansion house in town. We were having lunch. Yeah. And he, yeah. he was after meeting me after my break. And he said it to me. He was like, look, Jamie, like, what's going on? And I, I said to him, I was like, I'm, I, I'm drinking, I'm smoking. And he was like, I oh, you have cigarettes for you. Like, you know, and you're doing this for me. Like, and all this. And I was kind of like, yeah. you know what? He's right. Like, yeah. why am I doing this? So I gave myself a right kick up the arse and I just got on with it. And I got myself over that slump. Mm-hmm. So then I was kind of okay for a while. And then, unfortunately, my dad passed away in 2015. Um. Suddenly, he was out cycling for cardiac risk in the young, uh, yeah. charity Cry Ireland, and yeah. the the irony, I suppose, was the fact it was a cardiac cycle he was on because yeah. he had like he had a massive heart attack while he was on the cycle. So my thing then was like I was living with Dad at the time, so I was after talking to him that morning before I went to work, he was fine, right as rain. Yeah. laughing and joking like he always was and then I was working I remember I was working 7 to 11 and at 5 to 11 the phone at work rang and it was someone looking for me so when I yeah. dialed in the number to pick up the other line I saw my mom's mobile number and I was like oh my god and the first thing I thought was like this like it's my grandmother something's happened to my grandmother did not think for a minute it was my father so she was like, oh, I think your dad's after having a heart attack, blah, blah, blah. I was like, literally, I couldn't even open my locker to leave the shop. My hands were just tre- yeah. like trembling and everything. So she said, look, I'll collect you for work. We'll go out to your dad. So that was fine. I was outside the shop, really upset. I was on the phone to my boyfriend at the time. And I was roaring the phone to him. And everything was like, look, just please calm down. You're fine. Like, don't be worrying. He'll be fine. Like, so I was like, yeah, yeah, grand. Got in the car with mom. Mom said the same thing. Don't be crying now. Your dad doesn't want to see you upset. And I was like, right, okay, okay. And we went out to A&E. And when we walked through the doors of A&E, there's two doors on your, when you go through, there's two doors on your left-hand side. And one of them is like a kitchenette, kind of a, a family room. Mm-hmm. And a nurse came out and said to me, she's like, are you Jamie? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, can you come in here for a minute? And I was like, no, where's my dad? I want to see my dad. 
And she's like, no, please, please come in here for a minute. I was like, <laughs> I need to see my dad. And I knew yeah. then she opened, she opened the door and my father's brother was standing there and his friends that was on the side with him. And they couldn't even look at me. And I just remember screaming the hospital there. Yeah. And like then we had my sister was in work, we turned my sister to get her to come over and all that. And it was just it was horrible. Like and then I identify my father because I was his next of kin. Yeah. So it was all that. So like when dad passed away, that was like I didn't know what to do with myself. I was just I was lost basically. And like my father would have he played like my parents are divorced, but my father still would have played a big part in my mom's life. Yeah. Like he he'd always do something for her. Like if her car broke down, he'd go out and help her. Or, you know that kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I felt then when dad passed away that I needed to step into his role. Yeah. So like my sister and like make sure everyone else was okay. But the problem was I was making sure everyone else was okay. I was forgetting about me. Well, I think it's funny you should say that because I find with me uh, and <laughs> I can say this in hindsight, looking back at the many, <laughs> many, many years of my suffering and my whatever, is that when I was at my worst internally, externally, mm. I was just trying to help everybody. I was yeah. breaking my back to help everybody and do everything I could. Not that I was being overly helpful because I was a basket case yeah. um, of emotion at the time. But yeah. that's, that was my thing was if I was, if there was, if something was going wrong inside, then externally I would just do my very best to help everybody else and fix everybody else's smaller yeah. problems because I couldn't fix my bigger problems exactly um, so you're definitely not alone in in that mechanism as a coping mechanism it's a, it's i wonder sometimes do, was i forgetting about myself deliberately or was i intentionally or subconsciously forgetting about myself do you know what i mean yeah it's like putting that thing that problem away yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's definitely it's definitely a common thing that people that people do but it was like i remember i was looking at like my mother actually, I got to the point, I think my mother had to go to the doctor, to the chemist to get me tablets because I just couldn't eat. And I, I was just, I had boil in my stomach, like, and I was just feeling sick all the time, even though I couldn't get food down me. Yeah. And I was in college at the time and I took six, I took six weeks nearly from the day, from the day he died until I went back to college and back to work. And even when I went back to work, like he used to come into work to me every Saturday and we go for a coffee. And for weeks after all, I, I could nearly see him coming through the door. Do you know yeah. what I yeah um but then like I again I put on this front and I was like okay I got upset and people would see I was upset but deep down like it was absolutely destroying me yeah and the fact exactly and the fact that like he he was there talking to me that morning and Mm -hmm. then he's gone like that that for me for ages was just I had so much anger how old were you when this happened so I was 24 and dad would have my dad was 53 yeah like see like 24 it's so funny um i think our your our, I, at least i laugh myself at my perception of age as i as i've grown up do you know what i mean because like, yeah, i remember thinking, yeah. thinking when i was 16 and 24 i was like whoa that's so like you have your <laughs> shit together yeah exactly you're an adult I, yeah and like, now i'm 27 and i look back at 24 and i'm like I don't have my shit together then. I or I didn't have my shit together then. I don't have my shit together now. I still exactly. don't know what I'm doing, and I definitely didn't have a clue what I was doing then. Um, so like it, it's so 
24 is still so is so so young to 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 try and process something like that and yeah exactly to happen for it to happen so quickly as well um there's an awful lot there's an awful lot that you have to get to grips with there do you know what i mean Mm. because there's like this whole thing of not getting to say goodbye or then trying to just like what you said making sense of the fact that you were talking to him and then exactly and it's and it's this whole i didn't really understand it until i lost until i lost my grandmother before christmas but it's this whole thing of um like we had we had warning i knew i knew it was coming um but it's still when she actually when she actually died it still just felt like poof yeah yeah like there's it's just poof and and that's kind of even for me with the warning i was still kind of like wait well what 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 sorry what do you know trying to trying to catch up so i can't imagine what that was like for you at the age of 24 and then well, how would you say your dad was 53 he was 53 he would have been 54 that december yeah like still he's a young man like yeah. there's so much for your for your brain to catch up with and for your brain to kind of to kind of process and if you were to say like say for so for me for the first few months after i lost my grandmother i was in a fog i'm still in the fog <laughs> i don't like i still yeah. feel foggy do you know what i mean but then you said were you for the first while were you kind of frantic or were you like what you said angry or what way were you feeling for the first few months like the first few months i was nearly on autopilot Mm. like i was just going through the motions like and i was again like looking out making sure everyone else was okay and kind of probably trying to put it to the back of my head and Mm. that like when was it probably that was that was 2015 September 2015 and I'd say a year later it just all exploded and I just bang exactly and I went I wouldn't say I went nuts but I literally again back to square one didn't care about anyone else didn't care about Mm -hmm. me and I just I was a wreck I wrecked relationships with people I hurt people, everything, and I did not care. And at the point, at, at that point in time, I actually could not. I had blinkers on. I could not see anyone else. Mm. Do you know that kind yeah, of way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I was in a relationship at the time for nearly seven years. I ended that. Um, now we'd been on and off for seven years, but like, I think if my fa- like, because my fat, it was there that my dad gave me the little push that I needed. Yeah. So when that ended, then I just like, I didn't know what to do. And I, mm-hmm. I just went nuts, like, and I didn't, mm-hmm. again, did not care. I just, mm-hmm. like, got to the point where I, like, I stopped talking to people. Like, I'd go to work. I could, yeah. I'd be in work for 12 hours. I could, hold, like, I didn't, I had no communication with the outside world. And yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. I, I don't know about you, but I found any time where I'm really struggling, um, and, you know, people start at you, like, they're, 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 this would be the way it would be in my head. Obviously, they're just trying to look out for you. But in my head, yeah. they were at me. And you yeah. know, they'd be like, well, God, you really shouldn't be doing that. In my mind, I'd be like, you ever just get off my case. Exactly. And then I'd just, yeah. just stop talking to them. and be like, leave me alone. And if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to leave you alone. Exactly. Um, but it's mad. It's mad the way, like, you just can't see it. Like, that people are, they're actually genuinely trying to help you. And oh thinking, yeah oh no i'm right like get away from me don't talk to me it's pressure as well i think um like i used to feel every time somebody get on to me 
about the way I was behaving or the way I was doing something or the way I was going about something, it felt like more pressure that they were putting on me. And at that yeah. point, I had all, uh, there was already so much pressure. I had already been putting so much pressure on myself that yeah. any external pressure, I just could take it. Even though they weren't actually putting pressure on me, they were only trying to help me. But in my eyes and in my head, they were trying to yeah. put pressure on me. And I was like, get out of my space, please. I was the there exact is same. not enough room in here, in my head, for me <laughs> and you, okay? <laughs> so enough room for me and all of the pressure that I'm putting on myself. Um, no, I can totally, totally relate to that because I've been there. I've been in that like self-destructive spiral um, and people are like saying things to you they're like maybe you should try this and you really shouldn't be doing that and I'm like go away go away yeah. I don't need your opinion I don't want but your that's opinion what I was like I was a taken time bomb and from from the day my father died because I didn't deal with it properly mm -hmm. the next 12 months it was literally just building and building and building and building and then it was just like bang and the bomb went off and I literally destroyed everything my path yeah. and it was only, it was, I, I don't even know when, when the path of the, the rat of destruction stopped, yeah. but I finally started to see a bit of sense again. And I know this sounds really like cheesy now. If anyone hears me saying this, they'll probably <laughs> laugh at me. But like when dad died, like I never used to believe in anything. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I'm not religious. Religious, I'm mm -hmm. not, right? And I do believe there's something there. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I, yeah. But um, yeah. when dad died, robins, they, I used to, like, they used to be robins, yeah. like, out of his grave and stuff. And, like, I'm living mm -hmm. in my dad's house now. Yeah. And we That's so funny, actually, because I'm living in my nanny's house now. Oh, go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a comfort, I think, isn't there? Oh, like? so, yeah, I love it. I love it because I love, um, I love sitting here. Like, I'm in the kitchen now, and which is where I spend all of my time but I can see her sitting at the kitchen table and the kitchen table that is here has been her kitchen table for as long as I can remember that kitchen table has been there has That's been hers crazy. do you know what I mean yeah. it has been in at least I can see it in at least three different houses that we lived in when I was growing up and there's just little bits and pieces scattered around the place that remind me of so many different because I lived with her growing up um yeah. So there's so many little bits that I can see, and it's lovely. I love it. Uh, yeah, I like, was worried. Well. I was worried moving in here that it would that it would upset me, yeah. but it doesn't at all. Funnily enough, there's the odd time I find something, or obviously I do get upset, but yeah. the house doesn't upset me. Do you know what I mean? The house is, is very comforting. Yeah. I find because like this house, it, this house is my family home. Like this is where my yeah. family we lived since I was baby. Yeah. Like. So there, I, I do find comfort in that, like, mm -hmm. but like last summer, not was la yeah, last summer we were digging up the back garden because the back garden was like a jungle. So yeah. um, <laughs> we were digging up the back garden, but it was really weird because it was in the middle of the summer and there was this yeah. like little robin flying around the garden and he was there for the, like the whole time they were doing the garden. And yeah. like my partner, his name is Robin. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. like what I, I met him probably at my worst. Yeah. And I felt, I know it sounds really cheesy now, but oh, I felt like he was my Robin, like yeah, 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 that kind of way. And hey, look, he, I'm all I absolutely get behind the whole thing of uh, 
of the universe sending you gifts because I have a dog here that I found in Portugal when I was probably three heartbeats away from giving up on the world and giving up on my life and giving up on everything. And next thing you know, this little dog happens upon me and I don't care what anyone says, I did not find the dog, the dog found me. And I yeah. still have her. That was when I was living in Portugal. I brought her home. I still have her. I'm sitting here looking at her now on the sofa. And I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that she was sent to me by somebody when I needed her the most. That's so crazy. Don't worry. Don't worry. I, I, I totally buy into your Robin. Um, but it's because like even we, because obviously I have my daughter Harper now. And yeah. we, my dad passed away out in passages just literally as you turn the corner to get onto the ferry. Yeah. Um, and we went, brought Harper out there as, on his anniversary last year. And it was myself, um, Robin, my sister and Harper. And my sister, we were walking away from the spot to go back to the car. My yeah. sister was like, oh my God, there was a feather in the exact spot where my father passed away. And I nearly, oh, I'm actually getting goosebumps it. telling you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like those are the things like I would never have believed in anything like that before. But like now whether it's true or not, but I find a comfort in it. That's all. That's all. But that's all that matters. It doesn't exactly. matter whether it's real, whether it's not real, whether there's scientific proof of it's actually happening. It doesn't matter. It, it, exactly. If you take comfort from it, if it gives you that little warm feeling, and then what does it matter? It really exactly. doesn't. You know, it, it doesn't. doesn't matter if you're yeah. looking for stones. Like if it's a stone that does it, it, it doesn't matter. Exactly, if you take yeah. comfort from it, absolutely take your comfort from it. Because like that's when I met Robin, it was. Like at first, okay, I was getting obviously thinking the whole Robin thing, but when I met him first, mm. um, like we used to see each other quite often because I worked near the garage, so I used to go in quite often. Yeah. And it was like, I always looked, I was like, oh, he's nice, but you know what I mean? I never went any further than that. But literally <laughs> I was on holidays with my mom and my sister and it was my last night of my holiday and I was on Tinder, as you do. And I kept, like, he used to come up my Tinder yeah. quite a lot, and I was like, no, because if I have to go in then to get petrol off him, it's going to be too awkward, not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And then one night, I was like, oh, feck it now. So I just swiped, and straight away we matched, and we met a couple of days later when I came home, and I literally, I poured my heart and soul out to him, like, in the mm -hmm. first 10 minutes. Yeah. And when I went home, I was like, right, if he doesn't run a mile now, this is definitely meant to be, like. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, of course. He didn't. He didn't run away, which I'm very surprised. But um, yeah, like I find comfort in it, like because he reminds me of my dad in some ways as well, mm -hmm. like yeah. his personality and that kind of thing. Um, but like he's he was my blessing in disguise, like because when he came into a point in my life when I was like, I didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to exist yeah. anymore. It's so funny um that you say I didn't want to exist anymore because I um. That's the only way that I could describe how I felt when I was a teenager as well. Like for say, I if that feeling first came on me when I was fifteen, and it did not leave me until I was maybe twenty three ish thereabouts, yeah. um, and maybe maybe even maybe even a little bit later. But um, it was it was it was so strange because. It wasn't that I necessarily wanted to, like, I didn't want to commit suicide. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to commit suicide. It yeah. was I wanted to click my fingers and I wanted to have never existed. Because I mm -hmm. knew, I knew one thing I will 
credit my family for because they are just unbelievable but one thing I could never ever 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 convince myself of was that they would be better off without me and I don't mean I don't mean that I that I'm like I'm sitting there going I am such a fantastic addition to their lives and <laughs> it was I knew I knew that if I was to take my own life that that would absolutely devastate them I knew yeah. it so it wasn't, I want, I wanted to not be here anymore without hurting them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I love that, that, that term didn't want to exist anymore. I think it's much better for say how I was feeling rather than saying I was suicidal. I was suicidal, but it, that wasn't the actual option that I wanted. What I wanted yeah. was just to be, to have never been here in the first place. Um, yeah. Cause like I was the same, yeah. like I, like I did, there was points where I, I did try and end my life and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's not a nice, obviously it's not a nice feeling, but like to get into that headspace where you're like, okay, this is it. Like, I'm, yeah. like that's, that's like, that's dark. Like it's really dark. Oh and yeah, absolutely. Like I used to self-harm when I was a teenager and stuff like that. Like, and yeah. when I think back on it now, I'm kind of like, why didn't why like when I was 16 like why didn't I just go ma'am dad I need I need help like do you know what I mean it's yeah I often I often ask myself the same question and um I like I just I remember the first time that I actually cut myself I don't remember doing it I don't I remember just I remember being sitting on my bed and then it was like I blinked and there was blood yeah. everywhere. And I was like, whoa, what the, who, how did this happen? Um, yeah. And I think, I often ask myself, why did I not just go to somebody? Why did I not just speak to somebody? And mm. I just didn't have, I think I just didn't have the language. I did not have yeah. those words for how I was feeling. Because even now, when I get, get okay, I, I often use the phrase stressy and depressy. Because, because it makes me laugh, really. That's the only reason I use it. But if I get depressy now, it's not that I feel overly sad. It's I feel absolutely nothing. Zero. I feel yeah. no feelings at all. And that was always, the, I was always that way. It's like, what is even the point? Like, I don't even care. Yeah. Whatever. And I just didn't have the language for that when I was younger. I didn't. I didn't know that this was a thing. I didn't understand how to articulate that or how to put that into, yeah. how to form a sentence to, to tell somebody how I was feeling. And I think also, um, I, I, I think also there was this whole feeling of, do you know, like, because I was watching like Criminal Minds and things like that. <laughs> yeah. And I literally was looking at them and thinking, does this mean that I am at some point going to crack up and start killing people and that was I know that's just so silly now and I look back and I laugh but that was a genuine fear that I had as well when I was younger was that uh, maybe I'm actually insane and maybe they're gonna maybe if I tell someone they're gonna lock me up somewhere that's like, exactly the way I was yeah and that's like that's Joe everyone has like their irrational fears mm. one of my so my grandmother uh her thing was going blind that was like just used to freak her out completely the thoughts of it and then yeah. for me it's been declared insane because how do you how do you come back from that do you know exactly. what I mean and how do you yeah. how do you convince what if you're not insane and they say you are and how do you convince them that you're not and this just used to like 
blow my mind completely to the point where it silenced me completely. Yeah. And I, I was so terrified to talk about it. And it, it, I look back now and I'm like, well, that was just ridiculous. Because that's like a kid being afraid of a dragon coming up uh, coming up the stairs and burning. <laughs> exactly. But there's yeah. no dragon. But I didn't know that, the, if, say, that was my dragon. And I didn't know that, that, that there was no dragon. Do you know that kind of a way? Exactly. Um, and like being that age as well, like, I remember, like, even in school, none of that was spoken about. Not none at of all. Like, not at like, all. And even to the point of, like, even on TV, like, if you saw someone who had, like, a mental health problem, on TV, mm-hmm. it was portrayed as, right, there's a straitjacket, off you go. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, like, nobody can, nobody back then, or even probably kids feel it now, you can't, it's very hard to talk to somebody about something that's, mm-hmm. especially back then, is portrayed to be, like you're not like. yeah but even it's so funny because and if she's listening to this you will know miss dugan um, oh yeah yeah miss <laughs> dugan saved my life i owe yeah. that woman if i was to pick one point in my life where i went yes that person saved my life she saved my life because she um i I used to have this awful, awful, awful thing about going into a room full of people when class had started. So I was standing outside, uh, I had, it was in fifth year, we had double maths first thing on a Friday morning, whose idea that was, I'd love to know, uh, with Mr. Dalton. Oh. And this was before I had repeated fifth year and I was late and I was standing outside and standing outside the classroom and do you know, um, do you know the way they had the window in the door, like on over the yes. door handle, there was like the long narrow window. Yeah. So I was standing on the other side of that so he couldn't see me. I must have put my, my hand on the door handle 10 times and then took it back off. And at that point then I was crying, I couldn't breathe. So I, I was having a panic attack. I didn't yeah. know that at the time, but I couldn't breathe. So I ended up walking away from the door, but Miss Dugan had been watching me from wherever she, whatever classroom she was in she'd been watching me and yeah. she came and found me then after class and uh, sent me down to the squat to uh, squashy couch uh for oh, yeah, counseling yeah. referred me down there yeah. uh, i don't think she even had the language for exactly what i was what i was experiencing because there was a lot of anxiety and there was a there was a, a bits of an eating disorder and and uh, depression but it was all wrapped up into one and had been there for so long that no, nobody knew what came first the fucking chicken or the egg um <laughs> yeah but, but it was only it was only then that i had some words for how i was feeling do you know what i mean yeah. but again like at that age nobody is talking about it and if they are talking about it they're taking the piss out of it exactly or they're kind of afraid of it and at that makes it next to impossible for anybody who is feeling that way to speak about it until it gets to a life or death situation and exactly. then when it gets to life or death then you're like okay th- th- there's all of these things and i don't know how to word this but this is kind of what it feels like and then it co- and then it comes out of you and it's like a purge it's like yeah. it's, it's like it all comes out one big like what you said like a bang or it's like crash bang wallop it all comes out at once and then you're like okay how do i how do i come back from this now and yeah, i don't exactly. know but you took it took me the bones of what eight, eight eight odd years to be able to speak properly about all of the things that i was that i was feeling and then took yeah, me like a few was, years after that to cope yeah like i was the same i'd say like and it's only now and i literally posted this on my instagram today actually but it's only now that i'm actually have reached a point where i'm actually content with myself mm. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, I could lose a few pounds or, you know, I could be, I could be pretty or I could be this, I could be that. Do you know what I mean? But I'm actually, for the first time in a very, very, very long time, I'm actually quite content. And I yeah. never thought, I never, ever thought that I would get to that point in my life. Isn't it, isn't, isn't it so lovely when you go from a point and I, this, this is not, it's not something you wake up with either. You don't wake up and go, Oh, I'm content. It's, it's you <laughs> yeah. retrospectively at some point, like you're doing something stupid, like brushing your teeth or putting on your shoe and you kind of go, I haven't felt like death in a while. And it's like this little realization hits you. You're like, Oh, Oh, okay, I, exactly. I, I, yeah, I can go with this. I like this. But is, isn't it so funny when you go from a place of such inner turmoil and then you get to that point of inner peace and you're like, I understand now. Because, like, I even like I remember, even when I was like, I don't know, was it like 26, 27? Like, I remember thinking, like, I'm not going to see 30. I know, I know for a yeah. fact, I'm not going to see 30. Yeah. And like, yeah. I never, I could never vision a future. Like I couldn't imagine myself when I'm 40, what I'd be doing. Do you know mm-hmm. that kind of way? Mm-hmm. And it's only since I had Harper that my whole like outlook on life has changed. And it's crazy because like my mother, said it to me the other day, she's like, did you ever think you'd have the patience for a child? And I was like, not really actually. But it's only when you have something so precious. Oh yeah. That you realize you know, life is good. Like, there's a there's a hell of a lot worse going on outside. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, I was diagnosed. Exactly, and like I was diagnosed with postnatal depression after I had Harper, and the doctors had told me that that would probably happen because I've suffered with depression, so it would yeah. happen. But when it happened, like po- when people think of postnatal depression, they think of someone not wanting their baby, they hate their baby, they can't. Like, I was the complete and utter opposite. I was obsessed yeah. with her. I didn't want anyone to have her. I yeah. like, I was the other end of the spectrum. Mm. And I had like, if, if this had been me two years ago, I would have been like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But because of her, I was mm. like, I need to get help. I need to yeah. be the best person I can be for her. And the minute I went to the doctor, he was like, he was like, look, that's fine. Cause I was like, is it normal that I'm the opposite to what everyone else thinks post yeah. depression is? And, and he was like, it's totally fine. And I was like, okay, that's a professional telling me it's totally fine. Okay, yeah. grand. So yeah. like, I'm, I'm still on medication for the postnatal depression, but he's yeah. gradually we- weaning me off it now. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I went to him a couple, just before this whole lockdown thing started. And mm-hmm. he, I said, he was like, do you want to come off? Him? And I was actually, I was actually scared because I was yeah. like, I don't, want, I don't want to go back to feeling the way I was feeling. Like mm-hmm. I used to be crying the whole time, as I said, obsessing over Harper. Now I'm fine now. Like I wouldn't even to the point probably I wouldn't even let her own dad. Like you know, I'd be like, I'll yeah. I'll change her nappy. I'll feed yeah. her. You know, I yeah. I just yeah. wanted me to do it. Um, mm-hmm. but like with that, like it was only probably yesterday. I just you know I just looked at her and I was like, you know what? I've been through some load of crap, but yeah. like she's she if I have to go through every single stage of my life again to get her I would oh yeah absolutely I think there's I think there's that's a great place to be as well is when you get to that point like I look back at all of the different experiences I've had over my life and the different 
just the different shitty things that have happened, the different shitty things that I've been through. And I have to say, I am grateful for every single one of them because my life would be on a completely different course if even one of those things didn't happen. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Because yeah. there's like, I'd be friends with different people, probably wouldn't have my dog. Um, there's, there's loads of different <laughs> yeah. things that would be so different if, if all of those things hadn't happened. And I don't think I would be as compassionate as I am if those things didn't happen. Do you know, yeah. if, do you know what I mean? And while you're in the middle of something shitty, Jesus, don't get me wrong, it's horrendous. Mm. But... I think if you can if you can get to a point where you look back on those experiences and you go right well I got this out of that or I learned this from that or whatever yes. well then that's that's a, that's enough for me anyway and I can kind of go right okay well that's served its purpose but I'm not living in the past anymore I'm moving forward exactly yeah um but um yeah it's um those experiences all of those experiences shape us whether we whether we like them or not exactly um, yeah it's 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 funny but it is i think like with having a baby that that kind of that sh that shifts the world completely because of where up to that point your world is your world is you and then you have your people outside of that whereas now your world is you and baby and, exactly. and you have this little tiny person to think of and you have this little tiny person to live for and exactly this little this little tiny person who without even realizing it can now learn from all of your mistakes and you can steer her in the in in, in the right direction and exactly, give her the yeah. words that you never had do you know that kind exactly. of way yeah, yeah so that's that's nice as well how old is harper she is 13 months nearly 14 months Cutie. her birthday was the day we all went into lockdown <laughs> her oh, first fabulous. birthday yeah, so it'll be a birthday to remember. We won't be forgetting oh, that yeah. anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. So tell me then about uh, Little Bows and Tiny Toes. How did that come about? <laughs> so I used to have a blog, like, back point before my father passed away. Mm -hmm. And um, it was called Grey Skies and Silver Linings. Mm -hmm. And my dad was I like biggest that. advocate. I really yeah, like and it, that. It was really weird because my dad was my biggest advocate for the blog. Like he always just be pushing me to do things. He'd even bring me out like and we'd be taking pictures and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when he passed away, then I kind of lost interest in it. And then I got back into it again. But then I remember, especially in Waterford now, and if anyone's listened to this, like who was in this like scene at the time, they'll know what I'm talking about. Beauty bloggers in Waterford was just, it was crazy. Like yeah. at this point in time, every single second person was a beauty blogger now, that wasn't my intention when I set up my, my um, blog at the time because yeah. I wanted it to be a mental health thing yeah. and I fell into this trap like everybody else and I was like oh look I got this makeup and like this stuff that I had no yeah. interest whatsoever yeah. doing yeah and I just I, I fell out of love with it like so then I decided when just before I had Harper something to keep me occupied I set up the little bows and tiny toes. Now, obviously, I found yeah. out Harper was a girl before I set up the account. Yeah. But um, I just wanted to document my journey from like becoming like a mom for the first time, and yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously the ups and downs that comes with that. Um, mm -hmm. like it was, it wasn't all smooth sailing from when I got pregnant to when I had Harper. Like I was sick, I had really low blood pressure, 
like according to Robin, I nearly died on the table giving birth to Harper. I didn't, but I lost <laughs> a, I lost a lot of blood and oh, like, the poor chap probably got an awful <laughs> He thought this was it, like I was gone. Um like Harper was in neonates for five, nearly five days, so I di- I didn't get to actually like I was the only mother in the ward yeah. who had no that baby. Must be horrible. Like I was in the hospital for a week because I ended up getting an infection during labor and I- I never understood why they can't have like a room or a ward for the mammies whose babies are down in the neonatal years. Exactly. That must be pure and utter torture sitting Grace, in a it room. it was horrible. Six other women who are five other women who they've all got lovely, squishy, chubby, bouncy, fat little babies. And then you're yeah. sitting there all on your lonesome and your baby is down in an It was horrible. Like, and it's then... But I was on antibiotics then. <laughs> I was on antibiotics then. So I had to be down at a certain time to take my antibiotics and yeah. all this. So like I could go up and feed her and like could, you know, be with her and stuff. Yeah. But it was, I was in a lot of pain as well. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, yeah. it was a, a mad experience, especially for your first mm-hmm. baby. Like when yeah, I was in the hospital for a week, yeah, a week, about a week after I had Harper. So five of those days she was away from me. And yeah. again, like I couldn't count how many women had babies and left, and I was sitting here going, "Hello, <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> you know, yeah. can I have please, um, yeah, please like, give wanted, me one." Like I wanted to document that as well. Like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not all like like. First of all, labor is not what it is like on the TV. It's not this mm-hmm. screeching, and it's not like that at all. Oh, my, one born every minute, and I say this to my mother every single time. I remember my mother and my grandmother watching one born every minute, and I'm sitting there going, oh, "My God, what is this? This is horrible. What are you talking about?" And the two of them are like, two of them are looking at me, going, "What are you on about? That's lovely." And I'm like, "I'm second there, right?" The two of you are done. You're finished. You've had your babies. You're done. This is a horror film, okay? And I never want to give birth. And I was genuinely, from looking at it on like one born every minute, looking at it, like seeing all of these weird stories, genuinely, it's only this year I've come around to the idea that, oh, maybe I could actually give birth. Maybe. But it was but a I, fear of God in me for so long to be like, oh my God. I never watched One Born Every Minute because before I had Harper, because I was like, no, I'm not doing it because I just freak myself out. But mm. when I went in and had Harper, obviously there was a lot going on at the time, but it yeah. is not. Anyone listening here who was pregnant for the first time or taking a hand baby, it is not like it is in the movies or any like episodes on TV. It is so much more calm. And this screech and like a demon, like it's not like that at all. Craziness, like, yeah, it, fre- it does, it, um, it freaks me out. But is anything like it happens in the movies? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> everything is so, I think that everything is so dramatized, but even then. You also have movies then where, or, or this, this, 
this perception as well that's put out there the pregnancy you know you see all of these like pregnant celebrities and they look great and they're glowing and they're wearing their nice dresses and da 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 and then they have their bouncing babies and everybody looks perfect and everybody's smiling yeah. and lovely skin and lovely shiny hair <laughs> And that's not real either. Do you know what I mean? So you have these two yeah. extremes of like, oh, pregnancy is such a beautiful experience. And then you have this other one where it's like, like what you said, the screeching demon. But neither <laughs> of them from what I have witnessed, obviously I do not have a baby, but neither of those from what I have seen are completely accurate because women, I think there's an awful lot of, like you with your experience with, po with postnatal depression, or then you have women who have postnatal psychosis or then you have yeah. preeclampsia is another one then as well that you know that, that women have to have to be induced earlier have to have emergency sections and there's then you have miscarriage as well there's all of these exactly. things that that go along with it that you just don't hear about and like my experience with postnatal depression um, I was a, very, a close family member um, who told me about her experience with it years and years later, like after said kid is like was 15 or 16 at the time. Yeah. And Jesus, that's a horrible thing to be going through and then trying to keep it quiet and keep it away from people for whatever reason. You I've, heard of, like I've heard of a few people like that as well, like that they've literally, the kids are like 16 or 17 and then they say, oh yeah, yeah. well, when so-and-so was born, I was suffering with really bad postnatal depression. Like, yeah, I don't and they call it they call it then the baby blues. Sorry, depression is no blues, my dear. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's postnatal or any kind of depression, it's not like it's not the blues. It's an actual yeah. a thing that a person suffers with. It's not yeah. just like oh, I'm having a bad day. It's like no, no, life's very shit at the moment, and um, I'm really struggling to come out yeah. of that headspace. Um, so I, I love, I love the fact that you did that to kind of to kind of speak about your experience because there are so many real experiences versus what we see or yeah. what's kind of dramatized. And I suppose it's not only just preparing people because one word every minute I found painted everything like a horror story and like you said the screaming demon again, it's like this terrifying thing. And then on the other side of it, then you have the, the perfect mommy. But then it's like there's the things that we're painting as being so scary are not actually that scary. Exactly. And, yeah. and then then we're the things that we really are terrible, like the likes of, of postnatal depression, people are like, Whereas we yeah. should be talking about that and normalizing that because I guarantee you, it's a lot more common than any statistic will show. Oh yeah, hundred percent, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it's it's a lonely place to be then as well because like you're at home with your baby, and I'd imagine the I'd imagine early early stages of having a baby can be a little bit lonely as well when you're trying to figure out if one parent has gone back to work and you're trying to figure out like the the lie of the land and how to do things and then to have yeah. something like that on top of it then as well I'd imagine that can be quite a a, a lonely place to be. Yeah, because like Robin took four weeks off work. So he took two, mm -hmm. his two parental work weeks and then he took two holiday yeah. weeks. Yeah. But I remember the day the day he went back to work, I bawled my eyes out. Because oh. I was literally like, oh my God, what am I going to do? But like Harper had, when she had her six-week checkup and I brought her to the doctor or to the nurse, I told them there and then that I didn't feel right. I, like, you know, and I was you know really upset and 
you know, I was obsessing yeah. over. And they said that baby blues, like they're that's your baby blues and it'll go away. And if it doesn't go away, come back. So I had to go back because I was like, this isn't yeah. going to go away unless I, I sort it out. Like, mm-hmm. And I suppose the baby blues then is, is obviously like a, a hormonal thing. And I've seen it. Um, you see, it, it's funny. I learn anything I've learned about about um, a lot of what I've learned about human behavior has actually been things that I have learned from watching animals. Like a, like a, so, I've always had dogs. We have yeah. horses, and it's from watching them um, that I that I've learned an awful lot. But say uh, you see it often um, in animals when they give birth or if they lose um whatever whatever they're whatever kind of baby they're carrying if they lose it they'd be wicked really 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 genuinely out of sorts and that's how yeah. i learned about hormonal imbalances and how much hormones can affect it and i find that there is little to no education um for women and how our hormones work and how much our yeah. hormones can affect us and how much they go up and down, not just when you're pregnant versus when you've had a baby, but also in our monthly cycles, how our hormones go. Yeah, exactly. All skew- they, and it's not that there's anything bad about it because there isn't, but it's, it's, it's just that they do fluctuate and they do go up and down and what to expect when, what's, what is, what is, I feel like there should be some form of education for women on what is the bit what are the bait the baby blues and what is postnatal depression and where is the line or what are some of the indicators and how are these things happening because at least i don't know about you but at least if you know that right okay i am currently suffering from postnatal depression that is caused by an imbalance in this hormone this hormone and this hormone and that that should level out in x amount of time and these are the different ways that i can cope with that and these are the different things that i can be doing and I find if, uh, for me anyway, I would feel that if I had that education, then I would feel armoured with some form of information rather than just floating through like, well, I have the babies or I have this or, and not knowing what to do with it. I just feel like there's not enough education about anything. Like at your antenatal class, like, okay, they do go through that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but not into, like, it's kind of just mm-hmm. brushed over. Do you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not gone, like gone through enough, I don't think. And like but again, sex, as, it's like sex education in school. <laughs> we didn't get airs till fifth year, I think we were in school. Fifth year, yeah, same. So it's same. crazy, like it's yeah, not, yeah. But, but I think nowadays, now especially, I suppose, where the way the schools, like obviously the leave insert and all that, the way that's happening now, there should be, especially, especially for probably boys and girls, there should be more mental health talks in schools and they're mm-hmm. 100% should be as well what yeah. you were just saying there like the baby blues when, if you are like okay I know you do it in science but like yeah. you don't go into depth in science about like oh no. postnatal depression and the baby blues all that kind of stuff like you don't but I think men like boys in school now they should be educated on them as well because someday they are going to be dads and they are going to have to deal with that woman yeah who's has the baby blues oh, well, i think i think i think uh boys and girls should do so like sex education and then all of anything to do with pregnancy should come into that then as well and i think they should all do it together mm. i do not think that girls should be learning about girl stuff and that boys should be learning about boy stuff 100 percent. Yeah. 
all be learned about everything because it really boils my blood when men get extremely squeamish about periods because in my head I'm like <laughs> I'm like that happens once a month for like <laughs> women's the vast majority of a woman's life it is that normal it is yeah. literally that normal like what else happens once a month the first of the month happens once a month okay it's as normal as that and they're getting so yeah. squeamish about it i'm like oh my god it's crazy it, 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 and it's just because of the taboo that's about it and the lack of conversation and the lack of education do you know exactly. what i mean that's that's yeah. all that it, it is caused by because i guarantee you if they got a better education on that type of thing in school they won't be half as squeamish and you see it with young fellas as well you can nearly you can nearly spot a young fellow who has sisters or grew up in a house full of women because half the a lot of the time they just don't care there's no eyelid fat at it but then yeah. you see lads that have no exposure to it whatsoever they're like whoa what is this like <laughs> do you know what i mean like education yeah. is just so important because well then we're armored with it with enough information to know when we are healthy or when we are unhealthy or is is what's happening normal or is it abnormal um yeah. and it takes the fear i find it takes the fear out of it and it empowers you more because you have all of the, this this information then so at least you can go about taking the steps to improve whatever it is for yourself or I, I don't know I find for myself anyway when I have the information it settles my nerves an awful lot because yeah. like you said earlier on you passed a comment there earlier on about coming off of medication and being afraid to slip back in that's a massive thing that I have to deal with an awful lot as well is the anxiety not yeah. it's not that I'm actually slipping back into the old patterns or anything before it's just anxiety about that that possibility exactly yeah how easy and it so, can happen yeah exactly so at least if i have information then i feel uh, my nerves are settled education is just with regards to anything it's just so important and i feel yeah, like we definitely. learn school teaches us an awful lot of useless information and leaves out <laughs> an awful lot of useful information exactly like how many times have you used like x squared and y squared and all that in your never. everyday life <laughs> never i've said this before with katie but uh, home economics home ec is a subject i use quite regularly like the things i learned in home ec they are things i use quite quite yeah. regularly but like other than that there is an awful lot of i said this before on the podcast i said it with katie and i said it on the podcast with Sive as well uh i came out of school and then i had to go and learn how to live yeah do you know, like I, didn't know yeah. I didn't know how to do life when i came out of school grace how many times did you say you let you left college i was listening Me, to this four, uh, four i think four is it because um, i went i was listening to the podcast the other day and i heard you saying that and i was like wow the, here is your sister because i was yeah, the exact same four. when i left school i didn't the know what i wanted to i just i just kept battering myself into college I just kept exact same. Thing because I was like, this is what I have to do. I will not be a successful human being if I don't go to college. Yeah. And then I remember when I just wasn't able for it because like I like my anxiety um 
a lot of it stems from teachers and the way I was treated by teachers. That's how it started. It was yeah. in primary school and teachers using humiliation tactics on small children, which I now look back on and I'm like, wait, what you were allowed to do that to me? Um, yeah. But, you know, teachers humiliating me was, was for being overly chatty was where my anxiety started. And that could just got worse and worse and worse as I went through school. And by the time I got to college, then like college, oh my God, it was, I cannot tell you how hard it was for me to get into a lecture in college. Like yeah. to sit down, to, to actually get in and off the, I missed so much college. I'd be, half the time I'd be on the college ground, sitting in my car, wearing my eyes out, going like, why, what is wrong with me that I cannot get into this room? Yeah. trauma is what it was and they didn't and I don't I still don't know if I fully if I fully addressed that end that particular end of it but I honestly thought that I was never going to amount to anything as a human being if I didn't go to college and therefore I ended up creating a whole load of misery for myself yeah. based on based on a lie because college is not the be all and end all exactly yeah 100% because um, I was the same exact same like I for my leaving cert my subjects that I did I did art I did tech graphics mm -hmm. and I did biology I think I went to college ne never in my life have I done business studies I went to college mm -hmm. to do business studies yeah I don't know and my father had said he was like oh that it's a great backup like you know yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, right, yeah. okay I'll do it I didn't I, I barely went to class because I hated it. Um mm -hmm. I had no I had no friends. Mm -hmm. I absolutely hated it. I ended up dropping out just before the summer exams. I absolutely hated it. Mm -hmm. And I like when I think back on it now, like I was only just gone 18 going into college. I hadn't a clue. I still don't know what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I uh, we were watching uh, sitting down at my mother's house the other night and uh, we were watching Gangs of London. And there's a character, <laughs> there's a character in it called Lally. And I, Lally did something totally depraved. And I was, me, my stepfather, and my mother were watching it. And I turned around and I was like, I want to be her when I grow up. And my stepfather just <laughs> burst out laughing, paused the television and turned around to me and went, you're never growing up. And it's like, I'm not, I'm never, I, I do not know what I want to be when I grow up. And I have also come to the conclusion that growing up is myth. Like, yeah, definitely. Like I'm 29 yeah. at the end of the month and I don't know what I want to do with my life. So anyone that's listening here who's meant to be doing their leaving cert now, you don't know what you want to do, it's okay. It's normal because yeah. nobody yeah. knows what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the funny thing is, is now it took me years and years and years to make peace with the fact that I have no idea what I want to do when I grow up I have no idea where my life is going and the funny thing is is now I actually don't care and I am the happiest most content now than I ever have been in my life I am I said this on the podcast with Sai but like I'm quite happy to do something for a few years and then just wake up one morning and be like I don't want to do that anymore I want to make jam <laughs> go make jam exactly you know what I mean like yeah I used to, I remember when I was younger thinking I had to have this big highfalutin job and I had to have this big highfalutin house and a big highfalutin place and big whopper of a car and all of this stuff. And as I've gotten older, I've just kind of been like, yeah, I just want to make enough money to like be comfortable and not have to yes. worry 
their money. And then after that, I want a house that is just big enough for what I need. Yeah. No bigger. And I want a car that is just enough for what I need and no more. Because and I think there's actually I think there is actually studies to back this up, but I have witnessed it firsthand how you get to a point with money where you haven't so much of it you get to there's like a threshold where you get to like you have enough money and then you have more than enough money and then you have a lot a lot a lot of money and then it all starts to go downhill because as you get more and more and more and more and more you want more and more and more and more and more and nothing ever 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 be enough because you're constantly chasing it and then you'll get more money and then you'll want more and you want a bigger house and a bigger car and more stuff and gucci this and need another (laughs) rolex and another rolex and another rolex and it rots people after money itself doesn't rot people but it gets to a point where um where you just have this there's too much yeah so nothing is ever enough Um, yeah exactly and it's funny because when I was in school, that was where a lot of the pressure came from was I need to have a good job because I need to have loads of money. And that was how I was going to be successful. And uh, the further I went in, into that in my head, the more miserable it made me. Whereas now mm. I'm like a complete, I have a completely different take on it. But it took me 10 years, however many years I'm out of school to come to that realization. Yeah. Because all through school, your, your success um, and your worth is measured based on what's on a piece of paper and exactly. how we're doing in an exam and like but school was not suited to me at all and is doesn't seem to be suited to a lot of people and just sets people up for failure whereas it's one avenue like school was in school was as we know it was invented during wartime because yeah. the men were all gone to war and the women were doing the men's jobs and there was nobody to mind the children that's where exactly. from. Do you know what I mean? Like we, yeah, we exactly. doing it other way. We were doing it other ways before that, and we can do it. There's other. There are other routes to success, and success is not just based on the money in your in your bank account. I success for me anyway is based on how content I am with my life. And yeah, money is a factor in that, but it's only mm. a factor. It's not all of us. Exactly. Um, so if you were to go back and give, I'm going to do two on this because there's definitely okay. two big monumental moments, uh, two big <laughs> things there. But if you were to go back to uh, Jamie when she was 15, 16 in school, that kind of stuff, what advice mm-hmm. would you give to Jamie then? Oh God, I think I actually, this- I wrote a blog, I wrote a blog post about this, but I never published it because I was a bit, yeah. Just to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, like I wouldn't have a big group of friends. I never did. Mm-hmm. And my one thing that I'd say is that would just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Because growing up, like I remember, I was always trying to fit in with other people and I just didn't fit in there. No. Do you know? And I definitely 100% would encourage <laughs> myself then to speak to somebody. Mm-hmm. because that five years where I didn't tell anybody was probably the worst five years of my life because I again I didn't know what was wrong thought I was going insane Took and I head. was yeah and I was scared I was scared of my own thoughts but I was scared of opening up in case I ended up in a straitjacket do you know 
Yeah, the straitjacket fear was always very real. Yeah, definitely. Which is, I think about it now and I laugh and I'm like, that's so silly, but I also understand why why I was so scared of that. Yeah. Um, but yes, definitely the, the straitjacket fear was real. And then what advice would you give to the Jamie who in the year after you had lost your dad? And then during the explosion as well as the explosion of emotions. <laughs> I think I would have taught myself to, okay, look after everybody else, but look after yourself as well. Like mm-hmm. I went to count, I went to counseling after my dad died and yeah. I could regurgitate a story. Yeah. Uh, like, to, cause like I, at one point I had to tell the counselor what happened, like literally play by play what happened. Yeah. And I think that made it worse. And she said to me, and it always sticks in my head, like, how can you, you can't help somebody when you can't help yourself. Oh, totally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, I was. I was running on fumes trying to help everybody else. And it was just, I was no good to anybody. And if, if I was to t- talk to myself after my big explosion, I was just like, Jamie, cough the fuck on. Get a grip of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, cause they're like, I thought everyone hated me. I, you know, I thought I didn't matter to anybody. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it now I mattered to so many people and I just was too I was in too much of a fog to see that to see what was going on around me yeah but I definitely, definitely I, I definitely think we um we did de- we lie to ourselves we make up lies and yeah. then we then we pull we pull things from the real world to back up our own lies but like yeah. this whole notion of of having yourself convinced that you don't matter to anybody like like in your lot in like when you think about it now logically of course you matter to people yeah of course you yeah. do like that that's that's not even a it's not even a question and but it's banana it's mental to me that our that our minds can go to those places where we are pulling all of these minute little details that actually don't mean anything and using yeah. them to back up this narrative that we've already built that the whole world hates us and we're worth we're not worth anything and bloody blah, blah, exactly blah. Yeah. um yeah we're 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 all fuckers for lying to ourselves um <laughs> you made a point there um about like that you can't help everybody else if you're not if you're not helping yourself trevor yeah. trevor noah is uh South African. love him yeah love, love him so he um i can't remember he did a talk somewhere i can't remember but in that talk anyway he was talking he was talking about his book and i think it was his mom said to him that basically his job he was going to go to america he was going to build all of his foundations, start a life for himself, become successful. And then, only then, when he had enough for himself, would would he go back and, and help them, help his family in South Africa. But he yeah. could not go back and help them with something that he didn't have. He had to go and build success for himself and exactly. build a life for himself and build some stability for himself before he could go back. And, and help his family and it's yeah. like um you can't you can't give somebody what you don't have exactly. so if you if you don't 
or this whole thing of like uh, I think Saif said this on the on the podcast that I did with her as well that you fill your own cup and you help everybody else with the overflow so exactly yeah so yeah it is obviously you want to for anybody listening to this who feels like everything is crumbling or that you're trying to help everybody around you and and you just don't have enough to do it it's probably because you don't have enough to do it um and like i found with myself that when i was trying to do that i wasn't actually any help to everybody else anyway like exactly. I wasn't, I wasn't doing a whole yeah. lot to help. I was trying, I was busting my arse, but I wasn't actually being helpful. Yeah. And it's when it was only when I retreated back into myself and I started looking after myself properly that then all of a sudden I was able to be more help to everybody else than I had ever been able to do because yeah. I was whole myself and I was I was after looking after my shit and after dealing with, with all of my little bits and pieces that needed to be dealt with. So yeah. then the cup was full. I had everything I needed, so I was able to give away the excess. Exactly. Um, so I, yeah, I do think I think it's very, very, very important that that we look after ourselves first, and then because you can be of much more use to everybody else. But here's the thing: if everybody, if if something terrible has happened in your life, and then you're trying to help everybody else, and then all of a sudden you explode, that's not a help to anybody. The best exactly, thing yeah. that you can do for everybody and most of all yourself is look after yourself. I, yeah. I think and I have found with myself anyway. And definitely don't, like, because this is my problem as well, learning to say no and not feel oh, yeah. guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Like, because that was that still is a problem for me. Like, I can't, if I say no, I'm the worst in the world. But mm-hmm. I can't like sometimes I'm like okay I'd rather put that little bit more stress on myself and do that something for somebody than say no to them but I yeah. n- still need to learn to say no and like just forget about it don't think there's any consequences or like that just say no if you don't want to do something and look after yeah you. yeah exactly and like it's very easy to get caught up in the like oh but if I say no then they won't be able to do this and then he's going to think that and <laughs> they're not going to like me anymore and nobody's going to love me and you're going to have no friends and it's like no <laughs> If you say no, they're either going to have to do it themselves or they'll ask yeah. somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And like I, I find a lot of the time as well, I'd be weighing up the options. So like if if my grandfather asks me to do anything, I would always I would always say yes. And in fact, sometimes if I have to say no to my grandma, my grandfather, I cry about it because the man never asks <laughs> me to do a thing. And then if I do really have to say no, I get really upset about it. But like for him i if i can at all i would always say yes because he asks me so rarely but then like if it's somebody who's asking you like if it's somebody who if if it's something like okay realistically if i say no to this is anybody going to die no okay then it's fine because everything else is figure out about you know as marie farnia says like you can suck it nothing is like it's so funny I don't know if does this happen with you but I often look back at moments over my life where I'm like I have absolutely lost me marbles over something being like this is the end of that world yeah. and I look back at it and I'm like that was so not the times. end of the world that wasn't even the end of the day <laughs> oh, so, there's so many things like that has happened to me that it's just like yeah. this is it this is the end like and then mm-hmm. five minutes later it's fine oh yeah it's crazy yeah, or it's even crazy. like, yeah, you wake up the next morning, you don't even think about it. It's like, well, exactly. 
exactly being a little bit dramatic maybe <laughs> um so what are what are the things that you do now uh to keep like to keep to look after yourself to look after your mental health to look after your well-being what are the things that you do in your daily routine weekly routine that you definitely could not swap out like these are absolutely necessary and mechanisms to help you deal with yourself in a healthy manner well my thing with dealing with my dad is like because it still obviously gets me and I get I can still get very upset over it yeah I, I talk about him every single day without fail whether I'm talking to Harper and she doesn't even know what I'm saying to her if I'm talking to yeah. Robin or like he's always brought up in some sort of way yeah and that to me it helps because I suppose in a way it's it's like he's still here mm-hmm. do you know that kind of way and like what I've done a few times as well is that and I've I actually spoke about this on my Instagram account was that I've written letters to him yeah so, oh that's lovely but things like I have them in a book but things like oh dad did you see today Harper did this even though mm-hmm. I know he like but wherever he is like if he could see do you know that kind of way yeah yeah um, or like if I'm feeling really crappy like I might say oh dad like I'm having a really crappy day like and blah 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 that kind of thing um yeah so like talking about him every day if not every day every second day it really helps that side of things mm-hmm. um but what I've started to do now when I get up in the morning now it's like what like one positive thing about the day and I'm 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 so conscious of being more positive about stuff yeah so that's why like every every morning on my instagram account i put up a positive quote whether mm-hmm. people like it or not i don't really care but like i put up something positive and whether it affects whether someone gets something from it or not yeah. it's more for me yeah. to kind of be like all right today well you know i'm starting my day off in this right right, right frame of mind you know oh of course that's it like it's perspective i can't oh my fly sorry <laughs> perspective <laughs> is everything absolutely Definitely. everything okay because you can there's like but you'll often see it with like you positive and negative say you often see it with um with people who are in a very like negative mindset they are they tend to look at a situation and see how it negatively affects them and then you have somebody in a positive in a positive mindset or in an optimistic mindset can yeah. look at a situation and see what's good in that situation. Yeah, it could be the exact same situations, the exact same. It could be uh, okay, my car is broken down, right? Uh, one person could go out and look at that and go, "Fuck's sake, the fucking car is broken down!" And then and then and it puts them in foul humor for the whole day. Yeah. And then another person could go out and go, "Oh, sure, look, I'll just have to walk to work." And they'll go and walk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then at exactly. some point during the day, they'll ring a mechanic and then they'll go about their business and then they'll go home, they'll walk home that evening and they'll be like, all right, you look, got a walk in today. Look at all my steps. But and even like with my dad, when my dad passed away, right? Obviously, I was traumatized. But as the mm-hmm. years have gone on, I've, and like I said, I've said this to only someone recently, like, I'm tr- like, you try to take the positive out of that situation. So I had my dad for 24 years of my life. Like yeah. my dad died suddenly. He knew no difference. He didn't suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And okay, some people think I'm a bit mad. They've been like, oh, you know, he didn't suffer. Blah, blah, blah. But like, 
I I know myself that if my father had survived, like the doctors told us, he would have ended up with brain damage. He would have been yeah. sitting in a wheelchair downstairs and he wouldn't have been able to act for himself and he would have hated that. Uh, look, the thing, the thing, the thing I find of this, this whole notion of at least they didn't suffer. Uh, that's a great, it's a great way to, to, to take, it's a great thing to take comfort from a little bit further down the line. I think the only yeah. time that that actually causes that, of that phrase causes more damage um, is uh, in the in the initial part in the the, exactly. in the initial part of grief. Like I remember when my nanny died, and people were like, "Oh, she didn't suffer," and I'm there going like, hmm, "That's not a hundred percent accurate." And yeah. I know you're only trying to comfort me, but I really want to headbutt you. And <laughs> you know that kind of way. yeah. Uh, so in the first like when everything is raw, that phrase can definitely trigger some people. But it's also definitely a major source of comfort because it's a reminder as well that things could always be worse. Exactly. They could, they could always be worse. And it's like, yeah, things could be better, but they could be worse. Exactly. exactly. Like, he knew no different. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I know that's yeah. like, it's a, obviously it's a really bad situation. But like, for me to get some bit of comfort out of it, that's, you know, I kind of yeah. need to think, right, okay, he did. He knew no different. Do you know what I mean? He closed mm-hmm. his eyes and that was it. Like, do you know what I mean? He yeah. never woke up again. Like if yeah. he had to woke up and knew what was happening oh, and that knowing was, that yeah. he would, and if he was going to leave me and my sister behind, like that would that would have yeah. killed him, like mm-hmm. do you know? So like Yeah, I think perspective is just so, 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 so important because it is the difference in um, in being able to make peace with something that has happened and move forward or dwell on it for the rest of your life. And exactly. if you can, if you can take something positive uh, and you can give yourself that closure, then you can move on. A little, obviously you're going to you're, you're moving on and you're going to take your dad every step with you do you know what I mean the mm. same way I will I will I will move on with my life and my grandmother will be with me every single day until I take my last breath I have no doubt yeah. of that do you know what I mean but it's it's being able to 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 look at the situation and go right it could have been a lot worse so these are the things that happened that I'm grateful for and it's like me and my mom were talking there a while back as far as my nanny goes with with her with with her death with I don't have any regrets and neither does my mom mm. in that we did everything we could we were there with her until the very end we anything we could have done for her we did anything that was in our power we did mm. um and 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 like like what I, like what I said there's no regrets that way mm. so that's that's the comfort that I take from that and that's the peace that I yeah, exactly. that I will take because I could I could sit here and dwell on the last few months of her life and dwell on all of the things that went wrong and all of the things that 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 could have been done differently if we had if we had different information but, yeah. but we didn't have the different information so we couldn't have done them differently exactly there's no point in dwelling on it there's just exactly it, there's no point in eating aiding ourselves up inside for things we can't change all we can do is focus on the things that went well and like what I said move on from it then because you have your life to be living as well like my nanny is not here anymore and Jesus that devastates me when I really when I really yeah. get into thinking about it and the same I'm, I'm sure there are moments where, where, where you are absolutely devastated that your dad is gone but the fact mm. of the matter is they are gone 
yeah. and you have your life to live and I have my life to live. And then you have little Harper who who's who has a whole <laughs> life ahead of as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, it's it's I think with death it is the circle of life. Exactly. Um and it's it's so funny because um it's happened to me a few times now where I've heard of people who've passed away and there's one one instance in particular this comes up in my head but somebody uh posted a picture of somebody who had passed away saying um rest in peace or whatever on facebook and i was yeah. scrolling and i saw this and the next i scrolled and the very next post was one of my friends was after having a baby and it's just I, it was just a lovely little reminder that yes like there will be death but there is always life because like the day, actually the day my father passed away I was meant to go to a wedding that day mm -hmm. so that to me it was kind of like this couple are starting their next journey in their life yeah. yeah but the day my father was buried my cousin had her baby oh no way yeah and it was literally I think she, I, I nearly 100% sure that like my father was literally only in the ground and she yeah. had her baby yeah so, like, like it's, it's nice it's, I think it is i i love that kind of a thing i love funny actually i never even thought of this but uh the week where my grandmother was um the week that my grandmother died say um i can't remember the exact i know my grandmother passed away on the thursday but um as we were coming down so she was in medical six uh, which to get to medical six you have to go through um peds is on the ground floor and then the maternity ward is on, is on the first floor yeah. and the medical fix is on the second floor and as me and my mom were going down in the lift uh my mom's cousin's mother gets into the lift because she because my cousin was just after having a baby uh, as oh, well no so i think that was the day before or two days before my nanny my nanny yeah. died but it's just it's a circle of life and i i do take great comfort from things like that because yeah of course there's always going to be sadness in the world but there is always going to be joy um, exactly. and it's just a perfect thing of a perfect example of things of there being a balance and things coming and going um so yeah uh jamie have you any other words of wisdom that you would like to impart on people or anything else that you that you'd like to oh god say? i don't know <laughs> i really <laughs> enjoyed that conversation yeah, so did I. Thank you so yeah, much for having really me nice. on. Not at all, not at all. So uh, where can people find you on the interwebs, should they so choose? So I have an Instagram account called Little Bows and Tiny Toes. It's, yeah. as you were saying, it's, I'm trying my best with the positive vibes. And it's a bit of everyday life with me and my daughter and my partner and our little dog. And yeah, just documenting their everyday life and the ups and downs yeah. of being a mammy see i love that kind of thing because um i last year i remember going like doing a call on instagram on following a load of people that were like famous people and celebrities yeah. because i was depressed off my head looking at them with all their nice clothes and their nice cars and their big houses and their fancy holidays and da 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 and i think it's lovely just to follow people who are like me yeah you know what exactly. i mean like 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 i could go onto your instagram and say if you were going on holiday somewhere chances are that that holiday is also achievable for me so i can be like yeah, oh, exactly. 
I'm going to put that on the list. Or, you know, you might go get coffee somewhere. You might go get food somewhere. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get food that place. And, you know, they're all little yeah. achievable. You can look around at people who are, are like you and, and things that are actually achievable rather than looking at things that it's like that are just out of your reach. And, yeah, obviously it's great for everyone to have aspirations. But for somebody like me who lets comparison thieve her joy on a regular basis, <laughs> it's nice to just look at people who are, who are on the same wavelength as me or in similar situations or like this in the same town do you know yeah, exactly. I, I think it, yeah it's just it's much nicer rather than looking at celebrities and being comparing to them the whole time because it's not fair yeah comparison. and you can relate to people more I think like because even yeah. like there was a blogger that I was following and she had her baby a couple of days before me and yeah. I saw her pictures and I was like, oh my God, like you don't look like that kind of baby. But then when I had Harper, I put the photo of literally when she was born and her on my chest yeah. and the amount of messages I got of people going, yeah. oh my God, did you put your makeup on just for that picture? I was like, no, I didn't. I literally, yeah. I was, I was in the height of labor walking on the prom in Tremor and mm-hmm. I was only go, I was only going in, Harper was overdue anyway. But I was only going in to get um, like my normal routine checkup. And yeah. when I went in, like, so I had literally, I was dressed for the day, had my makeup on and everything. But loads of people were messaging me going, oh my God, you, did you go to that effort for that makeup for that picture? I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and then people, people started, actually the midwives were asking me in the hospital, what foundation is that? It's great. I was like, yeah, it's push proof anyway. So it was the yeah. nose beep. It was, well, yeah, it was the nose BB cream or something. Yeah, and yeah, one yeah. of the nurses, one of the nurses like, I'm going to have to buy that because if you can go push out a baby with that on you and it doesn't budge because I'm definitely yeah. getting it. It's but like, so funny though, the baby like, would you just put makeup on for that picture? So what if you did? Exactly. Like, what about it? Do you know exactly. what I mean? Like, like not better. I remember <laughs> when uh, I remember when Kate Middleton um, had oh yeah, which, uh, whichever baby it was, I remember she had that, it was the first one, and she had that lovely blue and white polka dot dress on her coming out of the hospital, yeah. and people were like giving out stink about uh, her having her hairdresser go in to do her hair, I was like, hang on a second now, okay, there are <laughs> hundreds of <laughs> men with HD and like um, like, what's the word? I can't even think of the name of the camera now, but like proper cameras yeah outside the hospital hundreds <laughs> of them wait to plaster that poor girl's face in every magazine and exactly. on every website that ever existed of course she got her hairdresser in it's like exactly. did you get your hair done did you get your hair done for your wedding because there's about to be as many pictures <laughs> if not more as there was on your wedding um but yeah it's so funny isn't it so funny how people feel the need to pass comment on things like that when this is my thing about social media at the minute as well. Like I've, you know, if you don't like somebody or you don't like what they're putting up, just unfollow them. It's not that hard. Like, yeah, the, amount of, the amount of like horrible comments I've seen online from people, like not to me, like, but I, even on like TikTok and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, tic- now I've never done a TikTok video in my life, but <laughs> I've yeah. started kind of you know, following people on But what, like, why? What is the, the need to put someone down? I just... I don't don't understand why you would want to so say if I was following you and you drove me insane okay and I didn't like your content and every time I looked at you I was getting angry 
Yeah. Why would I want to constantly expose myself to that kind of negativity? And it's not that you're bringing the negativity. Negativity is coming from me because I'm the yeah. one who can't bear you. But like, why would I want to just keep, why would I want to put myself in bad form on a daily basis? Why not just, exactly. it's really simple. It's just one button and you press unfollow. Like why? That's it. Why? Yeah, exactly. I just don't. I don't get. I don't. I don't. I definitely don't get that. Um, it told me to, to abuse people on the internet. I just don't understand. It. Like just unfollow them. Stop exposing yourself to it. Stop getting into that yeah. cycle of negativity. You feel a lot better if you just yeah. move on from it. Like yeah, exactly. Because that person is not putting you in bad form. You are putting yourself in bad form by constantly looking at them. So, yeah. like, take take back control of the please, people, please. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all 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 fun and games. Um, Jamie, thank you very much for coming on. Grace, thank you for having me. I'm no, delighted. not at all, not at all. I will link Jamie's um Jamie's Instagram below. Uh, definitely go and and give her a follow because, as I said, it's very. I like your content because it's real. And there's good vibes, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the all about the good vibes because I truly believe that we choose, we can choose what we expose ourselves to. So you might as well expose exactly. yourself to something that puts you in good form. Exactly. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for all of the support so far, Katie, and I really, really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and until next week, we will chat to you guys soon.